After the whistle episode 208, Craig is late. That wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it did. Craig's late, so I'm just going to get this intro going here. We're 24 minutes late, so I'm cutting this show 24 minutes shorter, so you need to talk less. Keep your answers short. That's horse shit, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's horse shit. All right. Did you have a legitimate excuse? Do you have a doctor's note? I don't need one. That's the best fucking part about it. Hungover? No. Oh. I haven't drank, like, like in a week. I just assumed with the Bills game yesterday. Um, No, even my wife was asking me. She's like, you're not having a beer? And I'm like, no, don't feel like it. I thought... You were pissed off that I got a louder ovation at Ryan Miller night the other night. You know what was amazing about that situation is uh, we were all standing there, and there was a couple guys that went before you, and they had they had some nice ova- uh, ovations. And uh, then you then you went out, and there the the level and applause that uh, that I heard oh. when you walked out I'm not kidding you my eyebrows raised to the roof I was just like wow holy shit man Petey, these people love Petey. so then all of a sudden you're I'm watching you walk out I'm listening to your ovation it was amazing and then all of a sudden the, the girl literally taps me on the arm she goes go go they said your name I'm like okay I couldn't hear my name because of your name and people applauding for you. So when I walk out in the carpet, it was just like dead silence. It was like, <laughs> so a friend of mine sent me a video. I guess he's, he rewound his TV and took a screenshot and sent this video. And you sat down beside, <laughs> beside me, you said something to me, you and I were talking and I, I remember what you said to me. You're like, I didn't hear my name. I, mean, I couldn't. I couldn't even hear my name because your your applause was so loud. And it's uh, what awesome. A, what a great night. Okay. So first and foremost, every time those nights occur, wherever they happen around sports, there are always things you can look and point and say, ah, you could have done that differently. You could have done that that differently. Yeah. And now, granted, this is the first and maybe only one. I don't know if any of my former teammates will be honored again, but into to that level. Um but there were zero flaws with the entire weekend. I mean, this was not just one night. This was this was three or four nights, four days of event planning. Yep. And Sabers nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. I mean, yep. it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. So, and thank you to Room One Twenty for the after party. It was it was amazing. What yeah, that night. place is insane. Like it, it's just just a hidden gem right across the street from uh, from the the key bank, and uh, you know what I mean. They uh, they welcomed us uh, and everybody with open arms, and it was a great great night to see everybody. I said to you a couple of days before the Ryan Miller night is um, I wanted I wanted to know who was coming, but I didn't want to know because I wanted to be surprised when I got there, and when I got there just to see all of the players that I haven't seen in years, Hank, uh, uh, Talender, uh, Drew Stafford. I mean, just there, there was so many guys that I, Tim Connolly, Nathan Pace, just 
sitting with these guys telling stories and just howling up in the box, watching the Sabres game. It was an incredible night on so many levels, obviously for Ryan Miller and what he's done and what a great speech, right? He's just an incredible human being. Did you um, see that coming? His Honestly? Speech? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I would, I would expect nothing less than I, what I know he, how intelligent he, he is. I know how articulate he is. And, but I, I, I wasn't sure, you know, like you've seen him in press conferences where he puts his thoughts together. And I don't know if that's because he has to to think about it on the spot and he likes to make sure it's calculated, but yeah, on, absolutely incredible. And it was the first thing I said to him when I got a chance to talk to him and he was obviously very busy that night. And, um, you know, I didn't get to talk to him until later, like later, 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 but I, you know, and I, I said to him, I said, uh, I said, Ryan, that was unbelievable. I said, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't know what to expect. I said, but that was, that was more than I ever could have imagined for you. And he said, you know, it's interesting. I was going to go, you know, an emotional path or not even emotional, but just like a more sentimental, serious type. He said, but then at, he said, once I walked in at five o'clock and saw all the guys and we were all just laughing, he said, he said, it was like being in the locker room. He's like, it, it completely changed my mindset toward the whole thing. And it, it relaxed him a lot. You know, you know like, what? I, I mean, that th that's the truest words is when we were all underneath, you know, um, being w waiting to be called out and having the boys literally start ripping on each other right away, whether it's like if some guy's got a little bit of a bigger gut or this and that, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like you were immediately back in the locker room, Derek Roy, just, I mean, the Don, everybody's sensational making, look from the Thomas Vanek making fun of Derek Roy immediately soon as he sees <laughs> this mustache. And is this is, it was, it was like being in the locker room. And uh, I, I said this to my wife, when I walked in the door, I, I, it, it was, uh, I, I said to her, it was one of the best nights I've had in a long time Yeah, because it really brought us back as players. Okay. We weren't, we were there for Ryan Miller, but we had a feeling and a glimpse of being back in time. And it was fantastic. It was an awesome, awesome night to be around these guys telling story after story after story. And it's just, it was so fun. You know, a few, a few stories on the road, uh, a few bar stories where, uh, you know, we were laughing our heads off, absolutely laughing our heads off. Um, oh. with some of these stories, but I got to tell you what happened at the, at the reception on Friday night. I don't know why you weren't there. We we missed you. I'm standing talking. I think I'm talking to, to Millsy's dad. And all of a sudden, like there were kids everywhere, right? Cause it was a different kind of, it was in the Lexus club and there was a, a, a musician playing. Um, actually the musician at 120 on Friday night was incredible too. the band there. XOXO, I think they're called, but then this guy's name was something Brit, I think was his last name. But anyway, phenomenal music at, at both places. So I'm standing there talking to, to Millsy's dad, and I can't remember. Someone else was standing there. And all of a sudden, I like I felt like kids ruffling around like at my feet. 
but I never really thought anything of it. I was just kind of like, oh, you know, they lost a ball. Maybe they're playing mini sticks. So I just kind of, and then it ended. It was quick. Okay. I looked down. Shoe check. Fucking Tim Connolly's five-year-old shoe checked me. JP Dumont was set on this kid. Timmy's kid shoe checked me. Millsy. Uh, JP was set. So for the people that are, are, are listening to this, I, you obviously have to describe what that means, what a shoe check means. Okay. So when you're on the road in the NHL, you're having a team dinner and and you distract a guy like, uh, teams will ask a specific guy a question. They'll set it all up and someone will be designated to go under the table. Stealth mode. Got to get in stealth mode. You're like, you got to put your hands and knees in certain spots or you, you grab a guy's ankle and just let him know you're under there. You know what I mean? And it's not you, you know, Hey, it's not you. Don't worry. It's not you. And then you have the spoon of something, whatever ketchup, ketchup, sour cream, a one sauce, anything. You don't care about the guy's shoes. And then you you place it on there. You stealth mode back. All of a sudden, the guy's not distracted. Ding, 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 ding. You ding. start out tapping your the, glass. Out comes the silverware. They tap the glass. Ding, 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 ding. And everyone's in conversation. And all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh fuck!" So everybody slides out. Everybody's slides everybody's out. sliding back to see who got it. So anyway, yeah, it's all kid. good. It's all good until you get a guy with has like some Parada suede shoes and you just dump some ketchup on well, there and they're what... ruined for other forever. Uh, JP, you know. I think JP had Timmy's kid get Timmy and Timmy had on those limited edition suede Air Jordan force. <laughs> and that's and the best part about up, it is everybody how much they, they cost too, which means he was pissed. how much. No, I'm not saying it. So, oh my God. Um, anyway, so his kid was shoe checking people. It was just great to see the guys. It really was. And you know what? It's, it's amazing because, and I've said this before, and we'll move on after this if you want. I didn't realize when I was playing when the old players or the alumni guys would say, oh, when we get together, it's just like, you know, being back in the locker room or whatever, when you were in your 20s or early 30s or whatever. I can't believe how true that is. Like I you know it's, it's interesting it. that you brought that up. Well, I was driving home um that night. We we're all together um and just had laugh after laugh after laugh and hugs and just, you know, just some incredible incredible times. And at the same time there was there were some players um from the Sabers, there was a number of players from the Sabers that were there. Um in the same building as us in the same bar as us. And they were, they were looking at us, you know, they were looking, they knew that there was a lot of the alumni, whether it's Jason Pominville or, or Vanek. And they knew all those guys that were in there. And when I was driving home that night, I, I had, it was just a really interesting thought. I remember back when I was in that situation, when I was one of the players, and I remember looking at Danny Gare and, all of those, you know, retired players that had played back years ago. And I can say that I I wouldn't say that I, that I didn't respect them. I just, 
you just look at them in a different light in the sense that, you know, you, you played the game, but that was years ago that you played the game, right? Like the game had changed like tremendously in the time that I was playing to when another uh, older player was playing. And I, I was driving home thinking to myself because I had talked to a few of the players um, on the Sabres and I was thinking to myself, I wonder if they're thinking the same thing about me that I did about those older players when I was in their situation. And I'm sure that they, I'm sure that, and it's going to be a full circle. It's just, it, it, it becomes a full circle. And I remember, just like you said, I remember listening to guys like Danny Garrett talk about his teammates and talk about the times that they had and told us stories where our eyes were like, holy shit, did you really do that? And you think about how tight the room was and how great it was. And, And ultimately what the players miss is not necessarily the game. They miss the, they miss their teammates. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just had that whole feeling driving home that night thinking about those new players that are on the Sabres now and and the long, uh, great careers that they're going to have, and they're going to have their ups and downs and their all arounds, but nothing's going to be better than what's inside that dressing room each and every day that you come to the rink and you have to, <laughs> you have to love every single minute of it. All right. So we'll talk about that game against the Islanders and the Ducks in a little bit. Uh, obviously the Sabres are, are, have put themselves in a good spot as I know you've mentioned before, but before we get to that, Saturday night, you and I did the Hockey Night in Canada player cast that we do on yep. Saturday nights, and we do the West Coast games. This Friday, we're doing Toronto-Ottawa. And Saturday, we had, we have, we Saturday, had we have Chicago and Edmonton. But uh, So this is something we've been doing this year with Sportsnet, and we did, we did it Saturday night, and it was uh, Edmonton at Vancouver. And... We had Carrie Fraser on and, and it was a it was a lot of fun. Having Carrie Fraser on was without question the best one I've done so far. Listening to that man talk about the stories and how he interacted with players on the ice and what they called him and you know, um Theo Flurry uh asking yeah. him to fight after the game in the parking lot. And and I mean it, it it's it is crazy the stories that he had. It is, it's a must listen. I mean, I think it was awesome. On the other side of that, it was Bruce Boudreaux's last game. And we talked about that going into the game about how horseshit it was that he was even coaching in that game because it, announcements yeah. had already been made that he had been replaced by Rick Tockett and it's coming as of Monday. Where do you even start? Where do you even start that it is out in the public that um, as of Monday, you're going to have a new head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. You have a, you have a, you have a coach in, uh, in Boudreaux who has coached a very long time in this league. And I, and I think that he deserves better. I, I think you feel the exact same way I do, but I mean, Jim Rutherford has since spoken. And he said, you know, I just need to zip it. Sometimes I've been too, you know, candid about, you know, moves. And and I, I, I don't know if he has or hasn't in the past. I, I, I mean, to this, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. What a, I said on the player cast that night too. I was like, my God, I want to see Vancouver absolutely kick Edmonton's ass tonight. Yeah. 
how does Boudreaux end up coaching a, uh, a game that everyone knows is his last? I don't, I don't get that. That's what I'm trying to make sense of. It's so wrong. It's such a gutless move. Jim Rutherford can go into the, sit on the platform and answer the question. How the hell do you have Bruce Boudreaux coach on Saturday night when it's already out there that he, that he's not going to be there on, on Sunday. Like, it's just wrong. It's horseshit. It's Mickey Mouse GM. They should have let him go. And if Tockett couldn't be there. In and time you have, you have the assistant coaches basically assistant coach, coach for one game. It's coach a one joke. Game. It's a joke. It's, it's, it's a bad look for the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I know they're going to regret this because Bruce Boudreaux has been in this league a long time as a player and as a coach. And you do not treat people like that. Well, they could have avoided it. They just did it when they were 0-7 to start the season because everyone was on Boudreaux watch. Yeah. Then they then they, they, then they had a little bit of a good streak. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I can go back and look. But I remember they went on a, I'm not going to say a, a, a hot run, but they they won some games. You know, they threw out four in a row maybe. And then, you know, and then all of a sudden the talk about Boudreaux stopped. For me, it's the direction of where this where this organization is going. Like that, that to me is the number one thing. Well, they're starting to tank, probably. Would I you say? I think that this team and what I see for this team is is you need to start over. Back to Miller Knight. Not about Miller Knight, though. But again, congratulations to Ryan Miller. But the Buffalo Sabers. That was a big game against the Islanders that they played, by the way. I mean, the Islanders were a few points ahead, and the Sabres had a game in hand on them, and they needed to win that game. That was a big game in the standings because both teams pushing for yeah. that second wild card spot. Like that's that was a big game. And the Sabres came back, tied it up. They won the game in overtime. Uh Dylan Cousins, unbelievable pass from Rasmus Dahlin. And then Stupid. I was, yeah. And then Stupid I was at the pass. Yeah. Like, who does that? Who who saucer passes? Who uh, who saucer passes something that's seventy feet in the air to land right perfectly on a guy's tape? Goes in for a breakaway and and cousin bury, buries it. It's just like what the hell, man. It's just, it's just, and he makes things. I was saying, I was watching uh, a couple plays that Rasmus Dahlin did in, 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 in the game. And you don't realize how good this guy is. You, you can't, you don't realize because when you watch it, okay. With the, with your, with your visual eye, watching him do things, things just look really easy. All these little, small, little things. You're just like, Oh, you know, I could do that. Probably playing in my men's league. And you're like, no, no, you can't, man. Okay. He has the puck. He's skating backwards. He pops the puck to between his legs, catches it on the other side and a little tiny backhand sauce to a player. And this is all happening with a second, one second, boom, 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 boom. And you're like, you, you I'm sitting there looking around at guys and the guys that I was sitting, sitting with Nathan page and, and, uh, scud, uh, Adam mayor, we're all like, we all realized at the same time. You realize how hard that is to do. And he just makes things look so easy that it's 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 just crazy. It's crazy. So I was sitting with uh, Hank Talinder 
after the game over at 120 and I was sitting with him on the sofa and he turns to me and he goes, man, that Darlene, he goes, can you believe how unbelievable he is? I was like, yeah, he's fun to watch. And he said, he's, what is he? He goes, what is he? 22. He's like, he's got it figured out at 22. He said, I was nowhere near figuring it out at 22. I came into the league and solidified a position on the team at 22. It took me years in the minors to figure just how to get to the NHL. Now you have this, this guy is a freak, man. I mean, let me, let me tell you, he was a complete shitball two years ago. Wasn't even good enough to play in the minors. He was struggling and it was all upstairs. It wasn't his skating, wasn't his passing, wasn't his skill set. It was all mental. And it was really, really affecting his game. But to watch this player, to watch Rasmus Dahlin play this game right now, to me, right now, he has to be, and I mean has to be, in the top three in everybody's mind for the Norris. So Saturday afternoon, the Sabres wax the Anaheim Ducks, and you say that they're battling for a playoff spot. Do you actually think they can make the playoffs? They're at 49 points in 45 games, and the Penguins have 54 points in 46 games with a couple teams they have to leapfrog over, but they have games in hand. Well, let's just look at the first wild card. You have the the Washington Capitals right now that have not been great. They they're in their last 10 games, they're four, five, and one. Okay. The Pittsburgh Penguins in their last 10 games are four, four, and two. Right now, you got to make a push. You got to make a push. And uh, you know, do I do I think that they can make the playoffs? I would love to have this discussion in three games from now. I would love Sabres have um, four games in hand on the Washington Capitals, okay? And if if they take care of business, and it's not going to be easy, they 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 have uh, they have a tough schedule coming up. Um, the Dallas Stars are are no joke. I think the St. Louis Blues, their next game is is definitely winnable. Um, you have the Winnipeg Jets, which are which is a very good hockey team, but I think the Sabres can beat them. It's a winnable hockey game. And then they have Minnesota. These are, t- these are two teams in, in Winnipeg and Minnesota that they've beaten already. So they have the game to do it. This, this is going to come down to, when you ask me the question, can they make the playoffs? There's a, th- there's a few things that, that need to happen in order for that to happen. The first and foremost is consistency. They need to have a consistent second half of the season. They need to be robotic. They need to play the same way each and every night and play the right way. And if they have that consistency in their game, they are going to win a lot of games because they have the talent. Number two, their secondary scoring, okay, has to continue and pick up. So you have. Jack Quinn, J.J. Paterka, who have been somewhat quiet in the last couple weeks, three weeks, a month. They've been very quiet. They are going to be 
a major factor if this team makes the playoffs. You cannot sit there every single night and go to the well and go to Tage Thompson, go to Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner. You cannot continue to go to the well every single solitary night for these guys. And listen, they've been doing it. They've been very consistent. That first line has been very consistent. Have they? Need, I think they've been pretty pretty consistent. I've Without been, looking, I'm, how many points does Tage have in his last eight games? Eight games, I'd say five. Like Tage, you know, we can't we can't expect that Tage to come out and you know sc- score three goals and three assists and get six points and do it multiple times. And I mean, there's going to be there's going to be games where you need the secondary scoring. Well, what is secondary scoring? Is it Victor Olofsson who's who's done a nice job um, continuing to to push scoring goals? Yes, but you also need those two young guys with Dylan Cousins, the kid line that line has to be a factor in the second half of this year. They have to mature and grow. Page only take... has one goal in his last eight games. All right. And I'm How not, many points I'm not... do you have? How many points five. You, you were right. Okay. With five. Yeah. So he's had five points. Yeah. I knew, I knew that he was, um, you know, he's slowing down a little bit. I mean, he was on an absolute epic pace and, um, Teams are watching him a lot more closely. Um, if you watch the Islanders and the way that they killed on on the penalty kill against him, they're basically taking away the one-timer. They're completely taking Tage Thompson away. So if that's going to happen, what happens in Washington all those years, all the years when they took when they when teams took a player and placed them on Alex Ovechkin, what did they do? They moved Open it around. With up. Well, well, Skinner only has two goals in his last 12 games. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, and then uh, Tuck has. Um, He's got what? Four, five. So in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games from when he scored his last goal, he has two, three, four, four goals in his last nine okay. games. Yep. One, Listen, I mean, consistency. Eight, four, five, six, seven, eight points. That's so eight points yeah. in nine games. It's not bad. Yes. And and listen, I mean, they are going to have a lot of pressure on them to produce each and every night. They oh, yeah. They it. can beat teams like the Islanders. I mean, Anaheim's down there in the standing, but still. And those guys maybe not on the score sheet as much as they were before. That's a good sign. Yes. But they're going to need them. They're going to need them to heat back up again consistency number one throughout the second half this year you have to have secondary scoring which is extremely important if you're going to make the playoffs if you're going to talk about making the playoffs you need your secondary scoring units cousins paterka and quinn have to make strides as young players now quinn's played quite well um the other two have slowed down a little bit they need to continue to push. Now, I know everyone's going to sit there and go, well, that's what Victor Olson's for. That's what Casey, Casey Middlestat's for. Yes, we're going to need we're going to need all the lines to, to chip in to help this out. My last thing is we need great goaltending. We need great goaltending. If you have subpar goaltending for the second half of this year, then this team has zero chance. Zero. It has to be playoff goaltending. Your goaltendings, I don't care if it's Anderson, I don't care if it's Comrie, I don't care if it's Ukapekalukanen, 
You have to have some nights where those goaltenders steal you games, steal you two points, and forge this team forward. So consistency, secondary scoring, and you're going to have to get goaltending to put this team in the playoffs. You talk about goaltending. Former Buffalo Sabre, Linus Allmark, fastest goalie in NHL history to 20, what is it, 25 wins? Yeah, which kind of like, I mean, is that surprising? Like, very like Very he's on, an, he's on an, an insane stud ball team. Like, do you know that the they've only lost like four games this year? Have, I think it's like five. Yeah, five regulation losses. Yeah, five regulation losses. But of 46 games. It's unheard of. The last 10 games, they're nine and one. I think that one game could be the Sabres. Might be the Sabres. Um, you know, it's it's just interesting when you sit there and, you know, um, you listen to a fan base here in Buffalo, how they, they completely shredded Robin, uh, uh, Robin Leonard um, about his time here in Buffalo, how, how terrible he was. And then all of a sudden he leaves this organization goes to the Islanders who actually play defense and understand how to play defense. And he's the number one goaltender in the league that year. Okay. Has all the best statistics, save percentage. Um, you know, now all of a sudden you take Linus Allmark, Linus Allmark. There's a lot of fans out there that were not happy with his uh, goaltending, not looking at what's playing in front of them each and every night. You're just looking at his goaltending. He's got to make that save. Well, oh my God, it's two on one, two on one. It's the three on two. And you sit there and now you look at this young man, you know, breaking records. He, he's got the best statistics in the NHL right now for, for goaltending. Save percentage, save percentage is a nine, three, eight. How many games has he played? 30 30 games. So he started he started in 29 games. 29 games. So he owns all five of their losses? He no, sucks, he has man. two losses. Oh, I'm just I would have been joking anyway. Um No shit. Yeah. He has two losses this year and 25 wins. Um, How many games? Goals against games? averages one point eight. So he could he could break the uh, he could break the record for most wins in a season. Do you know what it is? Don't look. Most wins in a season by a goalie. Uh, I would say. Uh, hold on. Uh, you have to go uh, back, and you're never gonna guess. Just take a swing, any swing. I don't care. Take a swing. Berdur. No. Sawchuck. Nope. Dryden. This, this is why I said you'd never get it, because you're assuming it's that era. It was the 15-16 season. This goalie won 48 games, nine losses. Crawford. Nope. I'm trying to think who was good. Um, Braden Holtby owns the NHL record for most wins in a season with 48. 
Wow. Second place in 0607, Martin Brodeur with 48. Um, he played 78 games that year. Uh, Holtby did it in 66 games. Yeah. Um, Bernie Perrant in 73-74 has 47 wins. Now, the reason why I think that is still the, the record, any reason as to why I would think that Bernie Perrant is still the record? No. Because he has 12 ties. How many would he have if, if you take some yeah. of those ties? Well, probably mix, half, right? Mix in a few shootouts. Yeah, probably half of them. Right? So that's that's like the that's the, the the number that I would say is probably the harder number. Well, let me ask you this question when it comes to Lena Salmark. Are are there are there regrets that ultimately the Sabres gave up on a goaltender that becomes a Vesna trophy winner? I, no, I didn't because I not didn't only, not only is he going to be a Vesna trophy winner, he's also making five million dollars which is which for an nhl goaltender for an nhl goaltender it's that's that's middle of the road yeah bob rovsky's making 10 nine price was making 10 price making 10 five you take all the top goaltenders like you even go to bennington he makes six million dollars like i mean yeah there there's a there's a lot of you know Vasilevsky making nine nine and a half, Bobrovsky's making ten, Carey Price making ten and a half. You look at a lot of these goaltenders; they're making an extreme amount of money. And to think that the Sabers allowed a goaltender to walk out the door, who is you but know, he had a lot of injuries. I think his time was up. Well, why was his time up? Was his time up because well, because this this organization was run so poorly for so long? Yeah, but that we already know that. I know, but I mean, who, who we're, we're talking leave? about a goaltender. Was Kevin Adams the GM when he left? I mean, who knows why he left? I mean, he might have just wanted a fresh start. Maybe he knew yeah. it was still going to be a few years. It was still going to be a few years. How old is he? Like twenty nine. Yeah, he didn't. He doesn't have a few years. He's in his prime right now. He can't spend his prime sitting around in Buffalo waiting to help turn the franchise around. He's not forty. He's not forty-one with game in his body, like Craig Anderson, who looks like he's in his late twenties. He's twenty-nine. He needed to go somewhere and prove that he could be a number one and try and win and and have some kind of a legacy. Otherwise, he's just going to be. Buffalo Sabres goalie for some some long stint and never accomplish anything yet because the team's not ready yet. But would he be performing that way if he were still here? Probably not. Look at what no. he's got in front no, of him. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. You know, but it's he, like he'd be I, better I than he was there. in the past years. He would be better for sure. And he might have even won us a few extra games here or there that we couldn't get earlier in the year. I just find it very hard because I'm 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 a defenseman. Okay forwards they don't give a flying rat's ass about defense or playing defense because they're forwards that's what they're they're born to do right defense care about goaltenders 
Okay. Because that's their last line of defense as a goaltender. And I'm always like when you sit there and I, I remember years and years and years ago, talking about Robin Leonard, talking about how he's just getting shelled by, by certain teams, but he was making incredible, incredible saves. He was keeping this team afloat and everyone's like, oh, we need a new goaltender. I'm like, no, we don't. We need players that want to play defense that have literally a defensive bone in their body. That's what we need. We need defense that can actually skate and defend and have hockey IQ and understand danger. Because Robin Leonard, when he was here, did his job. The players in front of him didn't do didn't do the job. Well, I mean, when Linus Allmark was here, he did his job when he played. Yeah, but it, he didn't just leave this year, Craig. I know, I know. So it's it's like he's had he left, a little la- bit he of left last year. He's been gone time. for two years. Yeah, and I think he got hurt. Did he not? Like he's had injury problems, and so I mean, this is an anomaly, and I'm happy for. No, him, but, but they could have signed him. PD. Let's they could have signed him. But goaltending wasn't the they they didn't need to put all their eggs in goaltending basket at that point. They had other shit to iron out. They had a captain making $10 million who fucking hated being here. They had an, they had an assistant captain in Sam Reinhardt who was going to be up for a, a mega deal, who was performing, who probably didn't want to be here. They had Rasmus, Rasmus line and making $5 million, who probably was the most fatigued player on the roster mentally. So, you know, I don't think Allmark was, it was, you know, it's like, yeah, we got a UPL in the system. We can find another goalie when the time is right, but we can't put all our eggs in a goalie basket right now. See ya. Good luck in Boston. And when he signed that deal, when he signed that deal in Boston, I was like, Boston's fucked. So, you know what? I'm happy for Linus. You didn't like was, the deal. You didn't no, like the deal for I Boston. I didn't like Linus as a goalie. And I'm well, why? Because I thought he was always hurt. I thought he was. Way out of position a lot of the time. Maybe that was him just trying to bail out his teammates. He's I don't know. Scrambling every game. Every game. He's scrambling. But he doesn't have to do game. that anymore. He doesn't. You have remember to do the that. defensive system, like him playing in front of uh, Phil Housley's defensive system. I'm like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Who, who, who in their right mind is teaching this system? Hence, Phil Housley. Never being a head coach in this game again because it was ridiculous. Yeah, so I mean, you know what? These are the stories that we're wrong about. I'm I'm look, I'll give you my initial reaction on something, my initial thought on something. And if it if it pans out down the road, and that's the best part about it, is that there's always time in between to, you know, let things simmer and hopefully people forget what you say. But I don't. And when when and when he's when I saw him performing this year, I was like, you know what, he's proven me wrong. Good for him. Fuck. I mean, it happens all the time. You know, just is the way it is on 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 some level. Yeah. You know, everyone yeah. playing in the NHL at some point is proving somebody wrong. Fuck. Look how many people said I'd never make it. Good well, for good him. Good for him. Yeah, it's great for him. Yeah. I don't. I I hope that he went. I hope that he went. And let me tell you something. He has got that. <laughs> He has got that damn near locked up right now. I wouldn't say that it's a guarantee because uh, who's the 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 tendy in uh, Dallas? Ottermeyer, yeah, Ottinger, Ottinger. That kid is having himself a season too. He's got twenty one wins under his belt, and he's playing 
at a very high level. So depending on what happens here, um, there's some goaltenders that are that are going to be in the mix. But right now, well, it's, this it's is... interesting that we say this about Allmark because didn't you think for a short time that he was going to lose his job to Swayman? Like in Allmark's time there, I was that more last year? I think it was definitely last year. Yeah, Swayman yeah, was, was year. Swayman was playing uh, was playing really well. But this is Allmark's second year in Boston. I mean, he well, had, you, have you seen the statistics? Yeah. You see where Swayman is right now. He's, He's good numbers too. in the league. Yeah. Yeah. They have like the best goaltending situation known to man. Is he signed? Okay. But again, is it goaltending situation or is it this team is an absolute, you know, stud ball team. Like they're strong everywhere. They not only do they have, when you, when you talk about teams that win, I've always said this defense will win championships. Defense will win championships. And how you win championships is when you have highly skilled hockey players, highly skilled, that care about defense as much as they do offense. And if you have that combination on a team that highly skilled hockey players that are prepared to play defense to win games, if you have that, you are... A going to be an extremely, extremely tough team to play against. Well, it's interesting. And Swayman, Swayman is an RFA after this year. He's 24. And so I think Allmark playing the way he is might be the best thing to happen to the Boston Bruins because if Allmark was dinged up and Swayman was killing it, Swayman would be getting paid. Well, looking, he's still going to so, get some so good talking money. Ab- I mean, so talking about getting paid. And we've discussed this before. How much money is David Pasternak going to get in Boston? It, it like you're shaking your head right now with a smile on your face. This this player in 46 games has 36 goals and 65 points. He's plus 28. 46 games, 36 goals, 65 points. His statistics, when you go back and look at them, Petey, you're going to go back and look at them. And when Nate McKinnon signed his contract for $12.6 million a year, he had almost one full season more than Pasternak. Their numbers are very, 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 very similar. Okay. But I sit there and look at Pasternak and what he's doing in this calendar year. When you go and add up the Nate McKinnon uh, production to a David Pasternak production, they are going to be so close. Well, not really. David Pasternak has more goals, like a lot more goals than Nate McKinnon. He's going to make 11 million. He's he'll be 11. No way. You think more than that, huh? Oh, listen. Let me ask you something. Let's take this in perspective. You're going to say that he's going to make 11 million. Mitch Marner is making 11 million for the last number of years. The market has been set. I'm going to tell you this. And the cap's going to be going up in a couple of years. This could be, this could be the, 
the biggest contract. Well, he has Boston, to win a cup. If, if he wins Boston a cup, Bruins if he wins a cup, win. he'll make twelve point seven. Oh, I'm going to tell you this. I think he. I think he could do something funky. I think he could do something crazy. He's an unrestricted free agent. He, if he wins a Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins, which, man, do I find, I just find them to be in a situation that they're almost unbeatable. Did you, did you read this? Did you read this, that Boston right now is interested in acquiring Bo Horvat? Yeah. Could you imagine putting Bo Horvat and inserting him into this lineup? Now you have to realize, like Bo Horvat. Well, they have you know makes five they point. Be, they'd be what? looking for Pavel Zaka. I mean, he's that's going to be the money trade there. Pavel Zaka is having you know a really good year. He was a first round pick. He's still relatively young. I would say that would. Did be they not just recently sign him though? Yeah, they extended him. Yeah, and that's probably why Vancouver would want him. He would, yeah, but you got to part with something, right? You're going to have to part with something. Um, I would, I would definitely look at acquiring um, Bo Horvat and and giving up Pavel Zaka any day of the week. Now Pavel Zaka is 25 years old. Bo Horvat's what 20, thinking 27, 28. I would do that in a heartbeat. But you're going to have to give a lot more than just Pavel Zaka to, to get this deal done. Uh, I'm just looking at their pick. Well, I don't, yeah, they have first round picks each year. They don't have anything extra. Well, it'll be interesting to see. I, you know, I mean, it all depends on he's what he uh, what he does in the playoffs. Quickly before we get out of here, did you see what Cassidy said about Jack Eichel last week? I talking did about his players and talking about Jack and not being the same player. It's interesting. I'm not. That's- looking to turn this into a shit parade on Jack. I just, I think it's interesting. Well, what, what do you take from, what do you take from the, the comments? Uh, well, he hasn't performed since he's been back from the injury. I know his first game back, I think he had three points. I think he did. Not but... meeting expectations. I mean, as a player, as a player for a coach to come out publicly and and say that i mean that is a real concern a real concern it's a concern for 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 a coach to say that publicly there has to be a build up you're like in a volcano and the bruce cassidy comments of jack eichel not meeting expectations lately is a build up of watching jack not perform to the level that they need him to play at it's not his offensive abilities. It's the rest of his game. Simple as that. I'm, what have I? What have I said about his game since literally he was 18 years old? He could change and turn into the greatest person in the league. The deficiencies no, said, in his game. What, are, what deficiencies are, in his game? Uh, defensive awareness and defensive understanding. Defensive awareness. Listen, I mean, I don't care how good you are offensively and how many points you put on the board. You have to understand how to play defense in this league, especially when you're a centerman. Okay. If you're a centerman, you have to understand your responsibility. And if you, the best teams in the league are the ones that their elite players play defense. 
Period. End of story. Period. End of story. End of story. All right. Period. End of story. That'll be the end of this show. That's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, After the Whistle, and at Craig Reve 52 at the Instigator76. You can find us, as you already know, on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, and anywhere else where you can get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.